Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. As we continue in our series today, we're talking about all in. Everything we've been talking about and everything that, that we've been leaning to talks about these two words, being all in, what we've been praying about, what we're seeing as we share about missionaries, as we share about things that are happening locally, it comes back to these two words, being all in. You know, we, uh, we often talk about, you know, what, what it says in the book, book of Revelation, that if, if we're to be hot or cold, that if we're lukewarm, then we, we will be spit out. It's that idea of being all in, that, that cold water refreshes, hot water cleanses and makes great coffee, but lukewarm is useless. It's going all in with the Lord. And if you've been with us, you know, just very quickly, we spent four weeks in the book of Ezra, and we talked about how all in brings opportunity. The Lord gives us an opportunity. He lays before us to say yes to him. We looked at how then uh, going all in, it brings opposition because everything that is a threat to the enemy will, will be opposed. But then week three, we talked about how going all in, it brings order. There's establishing a lot. There's a right way to do things. There's a right way, and God has laid those out. And we need to hide the word, the, the word of the Lord in our heart that we might be aligned with him, that we may not sin against him, as it says. And then week four, we talked about how when, anytime you go all in, there's a, it brings a temptation to compromise. But we've become overcomers through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we went to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, and I feel like I need to correct the joke that I brought from Jim, Jim Kahn. When I mean, last week he talked about it. He said, you pronounced it wrong. He said that the shortest man in, in the Bible, it's Nehemiah. Is that funnier? Jim's like, yep. Did I get it right that time? All right. But anyway, back to the word of the Lord. Week five, all in positions you. And we talked about that position. And this week we're talking about how all in brings a responsibility. And we see this in Nehemiah chapter 2 as he surveys the wall. Let's follow along. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I'm going to say Nehemiah now. Nehemiah chapter 2 starting at verse 11, it says, So I arrived, this is Nehemiah, I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burn gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. Verse 16 says, the city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But there's always a but. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? Listen to Nehemiah's response. He said, I replied, 
the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. That's that last portion of his response to, we're going to talk about at the very end, but that's been ringing in my heart all week as I've, as I've been just laying over this and praying through this. But I want to begin with this idea that when we go all in with God, going all in with God, it brings a sense of responsibility to us. How many, did your mom or dad or aunt or uncle ever say, you have a responsibility to this family, you have a responsibility as, as whatever that may be. See, last week we looked at Nehemiah and we looked at how God had positioned him as the cupbearer to the king and had given them this opportunity and as a result, the king looked at him and said, how can I help you, Nehemiah? And we looked at it in that moment how Nehemiah, he was ready for the opportunity. And then that's a good word for us, being ready. Because when God had turned the heart of the king, Nehemiah, he'd already prayed through, he thought it through, and he was ready with the answer. And he walks away from the king with a letter of authority, a letter to provide protection, and a letter of provisions to the wall that he had already scouted out. He knew who to talk to. He knew who to go to. And now in chapter 2, Nehemiah, he returns to Jerusalem and he's ready to begin the plan of rebuilding the wall. See, we need to realize that when we go all in with God, there's a sense of responsibility that's been given to us. See, when we first came to God, God, he redeemed us and he received us as a child. And here at Sterling Community Church, we often use this mathematical equation that Lee Strobel has given us, right? Let's, let's uh, look, look, say this with me. Believe plus receive equals become. Now you're in math class. Can we do this together? Let's try it together. Ready? Believe plus receive equals become. Now what that is, that's a very easy way of explaining to somebody that you're inviting to follow Christ to say, you know what, it starts with believing, believing that he is God. Believing that he's here to redeem us. And then we receive. That means we confess our sin and that we receive. Jesus said that his spirit now fills us. And in that process, we become an adopted child of God. That's what it says in Ephesians, it says in Galatians. It refers to us as we've been readopted to the king. But when we follow Christ, we need to recognize that now we are part of his plan. We've been talking about that through this whole series. That when we follow God, when we surrender to him, that we are his hands, we are his feet. The Bible says that we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. That when we believe and we receive and we become, God's plan for saving the world is you. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Filled with the power of God for this time. That's why Jesus said you will do even greater things as we surrender and follow him. See, we need to recognize that God has given us everything that we need. God has given us the vision. What's the vision? To go and make disciples. We are called to go and make disciples. And secondly, God has given us authority. Jesus said, all the authority has been given to you. He's given us the vision to make disciples, not just tell people about it, but to walk in discipleship with them. He's given us the authority. All authority has been given to you. And beyond that, God has provided for us everything that we need. Much like Nehemiah. Philippians says, I will meet all of your needs. God is not impoverished. He's looking and saying, will you surrender? Will you follow me? See, when we are aligned with God and we are on the path of his plan, the provision is in the path. Now, if, if I'm not aligned with God and I'm walking out here, good luck. But when I'm walking with God, everything that I need, his hand provides. It's on the path as we walk by faith towards it. And with this comes a sense of responsibility. God doesn't waste resources. God is very efficient, 
And we talked about that during position, how when God places you in a place, he has poured into you talents and giftings and these godly passions to be used by him. He doesn't waste anything. The, the parable of the talents illustrates this to us, that the person who hid it was the one that the ruler said, even what you have will be taken from you. Because God gives to us so that we can pour out. To whom much has been given, much is required. See, the opportunity that we've been given, it comes with this responsibility, this responsibility to respond and be, be obedient. You know, this, and this, 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 this sense of responsibility, like as we think about what that word means, I think it shows up in many ways. And, and for some reason, as I was just kind of praying over this this morning, I, I thought about that, you know, that often the, the responsibility or lack of responsibility shows up when we hike or backpack. How many of you, you just, you've already planned your hiking, your backpacking, you just can't wait to get it in the great Pacific Northwest? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. But you know, that, that sense of responsibility that we've been given this treasure, that we live in this treasure of the Pacific Northwest, it is beautiful. The mountains, the ocean, I'm just so excited about it. But I remember last summer I went backpacking with a couple of friends. And have you ever walked along a trail and like you're back, you're like three miles away from the trailhead, you're up there, and you look down and you see a granola bar wrapper. Does that just, just disgust you to your very core? Right? <laughs> and my friend who was with me, he reached down without thinking and just picked it up and said, you know, how dare they? <laughs> and I was like, yes. Why? Because there's a sense of responsibility. No one gave us a title as trash pickuppers. No one said that when you go up, you need to do this. But because we care, because we see what's going on, because we're back here, and there's even parts like, let's go find them. <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's give it to them. Let's put it in their pack. Why? Because we have a sense of responsibility. We see what we've been trusted. We see the opportunity that we have. And we do that. Rob, can I say it was you that picked up the candy bar? Is that okay? <laughs> Made me feel a little guilty. I should have picked that up. Sometimes we see this on, on the freeway. I've heard that sometimes people cut people off on the freeway. But for the rest of us who never do that, <laughs> we have a sense of responsibility, especially when you become a dad or a mom or you have kids. You have the sense of responsibility for the, to be a safe place for them to drive. You're like, you know what, you shouldn't drive like that, right? And we wish we could make a citizen's arrest. But we get irritated because we feel the sense of responsibility for the safety around us, that we want it to be a safe place for everybody. And this points to, as followers of Christ, the responsibility that we have. We have a responsibility as followers of Christ to see what is broken around us. This was the words of Jesus, right? He said, no, I came for the hurting. I came for the sick. Those of you who are healthy, you're invited to be a part of this. These are the ones that I came from. See, we know and we have examples on the on the 24-hour news stations day and night that battles break things. When you've been through a battle, though there may be victory in the end, even though it may be a battle that you won, whatever it is, along the way, things get broken. Things get broken. Things grow dull in this process. And it's so important as we move forward because we've been through a lot of battles the last couple of years. Our city's been through a lot of battles the, couple, the last couple of years. We're, we look very different. It's important for us to look around and just take some time and do a systems check. This was the first thing that Nehemiah did. See, the first thing that Nehemiah did is he went to the wall. He went to survey the wall. He'd heard about the wall. 
He heard about things that went on, but he wasn't content just to go by secondhand or thirdhand information. He wanted to see it for himself. And this is a great lesson for us because when we care, when we look, when we see what is broken and we go to the wall, we now shorten the distance between us and those who are hurting. See, a lot of times we hold back because we're like, you know, I don't have the answers, I'm broke, you know, there's nothing here, what could I offer? Sometimes the greatest things you can offer is just going to the wall, just walking to people and just going, I see you. I mean, doesn't, hasn't that made a difference in your life when someone stopped and they just go, I see what you're going through. It hurts my heart. How can I step into this with you? Yeah. Amen. I mean, I think about, I forget who said it, but I was listening to this pastor talk about how he has moved to, when it comes to praying for someone, he's like, what piece of your burden can I help carry with you today? Is there a piece of your struggle that I can just carry with you in prayer? What does that look like? We need to go to the wall. We need to see the wall. We need to look at those who are suffering there and saying, how can I help you? I see what's going on. It shows that we care for them. See, this is the whole point of the whole all-in series. We recognize that when we go all in with God, our focus changes. When you go all in with God, your focus is transformed. See, we move from being self-absorbed. How many are recovering self-absorbed people? <laughs> right? My sisters have lots of stories they can share. But we move from being self-absorbed where we focus on ourselves to being God-absorbed, which means now we're focusing on God. And we see through Scripture that when we become God-absorbed, focusing on Him, the natural result of that is that now we become absorbed with others. Because the evidence of loving God is what? How you love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody around you. Those who like you, those who don't like you. Those who agree with you, those who disagree with you. Those that you have no idea which camp they're in. Those are all your neighbors. That you need to, that as the more that we become less self-absorbed, we become God-absorbed, it's immediately spreading out. How can I love my neighbor? How can I be a, be a part of that? See, be, be before God, we made decisions in our life that focused on ourselves. What's best for me? What is going to bring the best end for my life? How it affects me? How, will this hurt me? Will this benefit me? This was our primary decision mechanism. But when we go all in with God, we now position our lives facing Christ. Now, logic is important, right? God said, study to show yourselves approved. We study the Bible. We study the scriptures. Whatever our discipline is, we study it and we pour our best because we want to bring our best. It goes back to the parable of talent. Whatever God has given us, we're called to do the very best that we can with what we've been given to do that. Logic is important, but there are so many times in following Christ that we're going to come across seemingly great paradoxes. And we've been talked about a lot of those, right? Those are paradoxes where the two things that go together that don't seem to fit. Why are they there? That's why Jesus talked a lot about if you want to gain your life, you've got to lose your life. If you want to live, you must die first. And as I thought about this, you know, I, something that's very, I, I'm, I'm sure most of us know this, but St. Francis, he, he expressed this in his prayer, that's, and it's, it's reflected through the Bible in the words of Isaiah. And it's called the prayer of St. Francis. Can we read this together? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, 
Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it's in giving that we receive, it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. What an appropriate prayer for the day that we are in now. See, this prayer, it reflects the outcome of a life that is God-absorbed, focusing on the neighbor. That before we say, listen to me, that we walk to somebody and say, tell me your story. Some of the most darkest, marginalized, most hurt places of our city. We often fail when we rush just to tell our little sermon. But what I've witnessed is that those that are most effective, they show up and they say, How's your day going? Tell me your story. I want to understand you first and what's going on. That's why Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And in 1 John, it even went, it said a stronger word than this. It says, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, it says, he is a liar. For he who does does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. If we can't love the people around us, God's saying, let's go a little deeper. (laughs) There's more work, there's more transformation because these are my children. Those that are here, those that are out there, everybody. These are my children. They're just not reconciled yet. They've just not been readopted yet because I gave them the choice. But see, part of our responsibility as followers of Christ is to see what is broken, to go to it, to shorten that gap and to just show up. So where are the parts of the wall that are broken? Where are the parts that are broken in your own life? Jesus often illustrates this by going, what are the parts that are broken around you? I think of family members. I think of friends. I think of neighbors. Look at your own life. What are those areas What's causing our community, our city, and our neighbors to to suffer and to be vulnerable? Think through that. Pray through that. See, all of these questions, these are key, and they are important questions that every follower of Christ should be asking. Whatever city we're in, whatever community, whatever family we're in that we're walking, we're saying, God, where is it broken today? Where is it broken today? See, we often fail to step in because we don't see the problem. We're aware of it. We're aware of the inconvenience. We're aware that we may need to walk on the other side of the the street to get where we're going, but do we ever stop and pause and look? See, these are deeper questions that will cause you to have have to look deeper and to talk to others about the hurt and to talk about those who are hurting, to talk to those who are hurting. This is what Jesus did. Jesus was relational. He got down. He stopped. Because when we see the brokenness, The love of God will always affect us to step in. It will always move us in that way. And again, it's not about having all the answers. It's about recognizing, you know, God, you went all in with me. I'm going to go all in with you. And this is where it translates. And I think the challenge for that has hurt a lot of people is that so very often, instead of stepping in the way that Jesus did, allowing our heart to be broken with him, it's turned to judgment and sign-carrying. We know that's stupid, right? 
We know that that affects nobody. But sitting down with somebody. See, when we step in, we need to be aware that we're following God's plan and God's timing. We're following his plan and his timing. Have you ever listened to a band where there was one band member that was not following the, the beat of the drummer? Terrible. That's when the sound person goes, let's pull that down a little bit. We follow his plan and we follow his timing, right? I mean, we may even know, that they've even written songs about it, that fools rush in. <laughs> fools just rush in and they stomp over everything. My prayer is that God, don't let me be a fool. Now, there's sometimes I may think I'm being a fool in my own eyes for the Lord, but there's a difference in just foolishly rushing in. I mean, how much tragedy has been done where people have rushed instead of listening to the Lord and guiding? Now, there's times, yes, it's run, it's stepping in, it's pulling people, it's rescuing, but saying, God, what would you have me do? See, faith is not about taking a leap for God all the time. Faith is about what? Faith cometh by hearing. God's saying, I think there's so many times there, there's maybe things that I've done, and I'm like, why didn't it work? And God's saying, I, I, I never told you to do that. I watched you. But it's listening. It's saying, God, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's pouring it into our hearts, and it's going through. We know that it's in him that we move, and we live, and we have our being. And I know that was taken from when Paul was speaking, and it was, and it was taken from a, a, a poem that was made, but that was applied to our lives as well. We know that it's in him that we live. God is the source of our life. It's in him that we move. We move in flowing from the Holy Spirit that now fills us, and guides us, and empowers us, and enables us to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. We move at the pulse of his will, and we have. God provides everything that we need as we align our lives with him. It's in the path. We just need to walk with it. We need to stay in the path that God has for us. This is how we move forward. But before we leave this section, I want to pay attention to one more, one more thing before we wrap this up today. One more thing that's important about our responsibility that Nehemiah teaches us. And it's our responsibility as followers of Christ to know your audience. As followers of Christ, you need to know who you're talking to. You need to get to know them. I mean, this is Leadership 101. We have a great leadership class. It's now online. There's a plug for Pastor Kim and the discipleship team. There's a leadership class online that you can go and look. And this is one of the things that talks about. Context is everything. See, as all-in leaders, we need, to, we need to recognize that we've been given the opportunity by God and been positioned by God to fulfill his plan and his purpose. But unfortunately, this is where a lot of leaders stumble. How many have ever stumbled in this area? I'm raising both hands, right? Where you got up, and you're like, man, I've been given the vision from God. I've been provided by God, right? God's placed me here, and we're going forward. And everyone in this room agrees with what's going on, and you throw it out, and you just got like, it's like a deer in the headlights. There's nothing going on. Like, why is this not, not connected? See, we can get so excited about it that we often leave God and we go, God, this is great. I've got it. I'm so excited. I'm just going to run ahead here and take care of it. And you just, I'll let you know when it's done. That's fools rushing in. See, we need to be careful that, again, recognizing that we've been given much, much is required, that with the opportunity, we, we have this responsibility to know our audience because we know that it's often not what we say, but it's how we say it. Two people can say the very same thing. One is ignored and one is listened to. Why is that? Have you ever 
said something to somebody and they ignored you and then somebody else comes in and says it and they go, that was brilliant. <laughs> and you're like, I said the same thing. It's often, now there's, there's seed setting you put out there. But sometimes it's, it's how we say it. It's where we said it. It's when we said it. See, Jesus was masterful at this. When, he knew that when he was talking to farmers, he gave farming analogies, right? When he talked to fishermen, he gave, he gave fishing analogies. When it was business people, he gave business analogies. When it was religious people, he started pulling quotes from the things that they were reading and laying it in. He knew his audience. He laid it out. He had great connection. And with those that he looked at, he knew they were lonely. He knew they were searching. He knew that they felt rejected by everybody. He said, come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. He invited himself to people's houses. When was the last time you, that you did that? Now, be careful. <laughs> be led. But he knew who he was talking to. And one of the things that just stands out to me in this is that Nehemiah, he knew his audience. Here's how we know that. He knew that because he slipped out at night. See, he had, he had the vision. He had the authority and provision all from the king. He had the whole thing. Everything he needed, he had. But he knew his audience. He said, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone. Now, think about it. He's very excited. Do you know how hard it is to keep something to yourself when you're excited? I do. It's very, very hard. He said, I hadn't told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. So here's a big lesson of, as a leader. Never assume that everyone agrees with you. Never assume that everyone agrees with you. As a matter of fact, studies have even shown just in leadership across the board that in any community, any group, any business, wherever you are, that's pretty safe to say that actually 25% don't agree with you. Did you know that? There's this group that leadership experts, when they dive into it, as it relates to change, that 5% are the resistors. That whatever you say, whatever you do, it's going to be resisted. Even if Jesus himself showed up and said it, 5% are going to go, I don't think that's true. And then there's 20% that are often called the late adopters. These are people in the beginning that, that they may not go along with it, you know, but they're, they're kind of with you, they're kind of not. They can get caught up depending on what's going on and where the greatest influence is. But they'll adopt late once it's all been proven and it's all done. So in every group that you're talking to, wherever you are, pretty much with 25% are going, no. Before you say anything, like, No. Why is this? Because rebuilding is a threat to some because it represents change. Change can be very threatening, especially when you're in something and you're comfortable, where there's functioning or dysfunction. There, there are people that have built their comfort on being dysfunctional with you, and they don't want you to change. Whether it's codependency, I mean, there's all kinds of terms that we can throw out there. Dysfunctional relationships, it can be enabling, whatever it be, it's a long list but they're very comfortable with that dysfunction. And so when you say, I'm, I want to be changed, I'm filled with the power of God, and, and I'm moving forward, they're immediately going to resist it because that means change is going to flow over in their life. Have you ever experienced that before? <laughs> you get healthy. 
whatever it may be in any area of your life. There's resistance because there are people that have made a life. There are people that have, there are companies that have profited on your dysfunction, my dysfunction. And now it's a threat. And it can also make others feel convicted. Because when they see you pursuing God, when they see you moving forward, when they see you getting healthy, there's a little bit of conviction inside where they know, I should be engaging with that. I should be asking forgiveness for that, or I should be forgiving them for that, or because the Holy Spirit moves in all of this. And there are those that receive it, and they engage with the health, and there are those that go, I'm too comfortable where I am. I change. Change is too difficult for me. See, the light of Christ is welcome to those who are looking for light. If you've been looking in the dark and trying to find it, when the light of Christ shows up, you welcome it. But if we're hiding, if we're trying to stay hidden, there's nothing more annoying than when someone starts shining a flashlight on you. It gets in your eyes. You don't want it because the light reveals. See, God is welcome to those who recognize and want to follow him. But he's a threat to those who refuse to acknowledge him. And sometimes we're even confused by this, you know. Why is it that so many other religions of the world seem to be accepted and, and even celebrated? And even though it seems like they go against some cultural things, but Christianity often seems where it can be attacked. I think pastor and author Tim Keller said it the best. He said this one time. He said, the gospel is the most inclusive exclusive truth in the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most inclusive yet exclusive truth in the world. It's inclusive in that Jesus said, come on to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's inclusive in that it recognizes that every human being, every color, every tribe, every language is made in the image of God. You are a masterpiece. Every one of y'all every person outside those doors. The most hurting person downtown Seattle is made in the image of Christ and is a masterpiece. But the gospel is also exclusive in that there's one way. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow gate. It's only through Jesus and it's only through complete surrender. It requires that you Get, lay aside every hindrance, every weight. You deny yourself and you follow him. It re- requires that you die to yourself. But it's so that you may live. What we get in return is just exponentially so much more than what I've given up. But that's often hidden. See, Jesus said that we need to take on his yoke. That we need to take up our cross. We need to follow his path and his way. And this causes us to give up. Look at how they tried to tempt Nehemiah. And I I was sharing this with someone this past week. I could barely get the words out because it just, it really impacted me. From the very beginning, as Nehemiah, he's surveying it, he's going out, filled with the vision, the authority, and the provision from God. And the king. It said, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of the plan, and they scoffed. And here's what they said. They said, what are you doing? 
And they throw out this line that it may seem like it's not important at all, but they throw out this line, are you rebelling against the king? And I want you to see what's going on here. When they said, are you rebelling against the king, first of all, they were trying to cause him to doubt the authority of the king, and they were trying to appeal to the highest authority that they knew. Are you rebelling against the king? If he was, that was worthy of death. It was one of the greatest threats that they had. But not only that, they weren't only trying to put fear in this, but I want you to recognize that they were also returning to a tactic that had worked with Ezra. See, in Ezra 4.12, this was the same argument that was used to persuade Artaxerxes from stopping the Jews from rebuilding the walls. They were going back to a tactic that had been used to stop them before. They'd gone to something that had used, and then they were now throwing it up in his face. I mean, isn't that how the enemy works? How often does the enemy try to throw up things in your face that work before to suppress you, to keep you back, to cause you to doubt God, to cause you to doubt those around you? He's done that in my life. He did it a lot during COVID <laughs> because we were all isolated. We're all back. See, the enemy, he tries to threaten us with authority in our lives, to fear us. You'll lose your job. And he tries to use these tactics in order to throw it in our face to crush us and to keep us from moving forward in the power of God. And I want you now as a follower of Christ to take the authority that's been given you and to speak the word of the Lord in this because this is what Nehemiah did. Look at Nehemiah's response. And this is, this is to be your response. As you look at when the enemy tries to throw these things in the face, you need to look squarely at it and just like Nehemiah did and say, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, we will start rebuilding this wall, but you will have no share in this. You will have no legal right. You will have no place in this. See, when we are threatened, when we feel alone, when we feel insecure, when we feel that the dreams that God has given us are being threatened and that there's always ways that come back and we remember that that took it away from us the last time, we need to stand firmly on the word of God and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. This is a new day. This is a new time. There is new healing. And this may have worked in the past, but not today, Satan. Not today. I see so many who are hurting. And they're living by those old lies. And I'm saying, Jesus, help us not to live by those old lies, but help us to stand in the truth from the beginning of time. That if God is for us, then who in the world can stand against us? We need to go all in with God. We need to no longer let those lies come back. We need to put that shield of faith in front of us and receive the healing that God has for us. Amen. See, James 4 says, humble yourself. Surrender yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Humble yourself. Surrender yourself to God. And then resist. Turn off that lie. Turn off that lie wherever you hear it. If it's on a TV show, turn it off. If it's on a news feed, turn it off. Wherever it is, Turn it off. God, you're rebuilding my family. You're rebuilding my neighborhood. You're rebuilding all this. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. You're the strength in me. So here's the invitation to go all in today. Where are the walls broken in your life? What is burdening your heart? What is that dream in you that the enemy, he's, he's throwing these lies at? 
The invitation is to go all in with God and to stand and say, Lord, I receive it. I'm no longer going to let those lies crush me and throw me down. I surrender it to you. If you're ready to walk forward in that, would you stand with me? I'm standing too. I'm standing too because those same things come. Just, just, just stand and say, Lord, I'm ready to go forward. Satan, no more. I will not listen to those lies. I will not be pushed down. I will not be put back. I'm a child of the king. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your authority. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. As we press forward in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to follow Steve's example. Come forward for prayer. As the worship team sings, we have communion stations you can go to prayer. Go with someone in prayer. And Lord, I pray for my brother Steve today, God, that every lie of the enemy, God, yet you would silence in Jesus' name. Silence the voice of the enemy. Remove every distraction. Empower him, Lord. Remove every anxiety, every fear, every bit of depression. In Jesus' name, your work. Rise up within him. Bless him, oh God. Bless his wife, Emily. Bless that place where they live. That everyone that comes into their place, they would experience your presence, your power, your deliverance in Jesus' name. Lord, we respond to you now. In Jesus' name. Let's, let's take some time, whether it's in communion, that you can take back to your place, or go to the prayer walls, turn to the person next to you and say, pray for me. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today. I'd like for you even now, where are the areas that you need life? Just begin to pray that out. Lord, areas that have been dormant, areas that we thought were dead, dreams that we thought were gone, through the power of the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we speak life to those in Jesus' name. Lord, bring new life to relationships. Lord, renew our mind, renew our spirit. And Lord, where there was fear, you brought courage. How many today would raise your hand and just say, Pastor Dwayne, pray for me today. I, I need courage in some areas I'm walking. Just hold your hand up high. We all need courage, right? <laughs> Lord, I pray for my friends today. In the situations they're walking into where they need courage. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Lord, we don't want to just do it to do it. We want to be filled with your power, filled with your wisdom. Show us, Lord, how to step, how to step courageously into these situations, empowered by you, listening along the way, being led by you. Lord, recognizing that when we're afraid, you are with us. You, you promise never to leave us, never forsake us in every situation. God, whether we're in Ukraine, whether we're in, we're in Myanmar, or whether we're right here, you are with us. God with us, God for us, at school, at work, at home, online, wherever we engage. Renew us, remove the fear. And we follow you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me, let me encourage you in a, in a, in a couple, couple of ways. If God has spoken to, to you today, I, I pray he's spoken to all of you. Write it down. Because what we're learning from Ezra and Nehemiah, that as soon as the Lord gives you a word, as soon as he speaks to you, what's the next thing that's going to come? Opposition. Jesus said, don't be, <laughs> don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. 
As a matter of fact, expect it. Write it down. There's a connection card in front of you. You can write on that. There's a pen there. You can use that. You can take your phone and you can do that. You can do speech to dictation. We have, we, have so, we have so many ways to write it down. Whatever that looks like for you. Write it down because you're going to need to be reminded in this moment. This is not just an emotional moment. This is a God moment when God is equipping you. Write it down. Write it in your phone. Write it on a piece of paper. And if you're really courageous, share it with us. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. Or maybe you're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm kind of working this out a little bit. We'd love to pray with you, walk with you, bring it to your group, get with somebody. Get with somebody this week. Talk to somebody today. Say, can we have coffee this week? I'd like to talk to you about something. God's speaking to me, and I need, I need to process it with somebody. Write it down, because opposition, and the greater the dream, the greater the opposition. That's why we have the body of Christ, to encourage one another. Amen? Don't walk alone. Share it. Share it. Reach out. Initiate it. This was not my sermon notes. I know, I know it's past noon, and I could lose my job, but... Um, but <laughs> I heard this this week about friendship, and I've been sharing it with, with, with people. That as it relates to friendship, there's sometimes that we may think that we're the only one initiating it. You've been there? And I was listening to somebody who was talking about that, and she was talking to somebody else, and they're like, what if you feel like you're the only one initiating it? Here's what she said. This is a pastor. She looked at him, and she said, get over it. <laughs> get over it. If you want friendship, you're going to need to work for it. And she began to pray for five friends within one mile. We have friends everywhere. I have people that I connect with in D.C. and in Canada and so many areas. But who are those people here? In your group, whatever that is. If you feel like you're the only one initiating it, here's what she found. She went to someone and she was like, you know what? I feel like I'm the only one initiating this friendship. I feel like I'm the only one who cares. I feel like the only one is there. Is this really working for you? You know what that person said? I'm so sorry. Yes, no, thank you. I'm just, I'm so exhausted right now. <laughs> I just, every time you reach out, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. It's a lifeline. I don't think you recognize the lifeline you are, that when you're initiating it, you may think they don't care. They're just too tired. And so if God has put that in you to initiate, you need to recognize this is what it is. Isn't this what Jesus did? Jesus initiated his love for us before we loved him, when we were rejecting him, when we were doing all of our stuff. Jesus initiated and kept initiating and initiating, and he still does in my life. Now, we're to walk in that way. I don't know who that was meant for today, but as you're reaching out, don't stop initiating. Rebuild a culture. Do it here, do it there, do it wherever you go. And if you're like, I'm the, I'm the only one who's doing it, get over it. No one else who's trying, I'm, I'm trying to get over that, right? Because insecurity comes up. And you're like, they don't love me. They don't want to be my friends. They probably do. They're just exhausted. How many can resonate with exhaustion? <laughs> <laughs> so, Lord, help us to not be exhausted, not to grow weary well doing, but to reach out, to never give up. Because, God, you never gave up. You went all in. So, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Before we leave, let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you all.